On About Books, we delve into the latest news about the publishing industry with interesting insider interviews with publishing industry experts. We'll also give you updates on current nonfiction authors and books, the latest book reviews, and we'll talk about the current nonfiction books featured on C-SPAN's Book TV. And welcome to About Books. In a few minutes, we'll chat with one author who's made the transition from the world of sports to the world of books. But first, some publishing news. And we begin with some of the new titles being published this year. 2023 set to be a big year in the world of political books and memoirs and nonfiction titles. After five U.S. senators published books during the 2022 calendar year, two more members of Congress's upper chamber are set to roll out their books in the first half of 2023. In May, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley will release Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs through the conservative publishing house Regnery. Senator Hawley published his book, The Tyranny of Big Tech, through Regnery back in 2021. In early June, Florida Republican Senator Marco Rubio will release Decades of Decadence through Broadside Books, an imprint of HarperCollins. In Senator Rubio's third book since coming to Congress, he wrote American Dreams back in 2015, shortly before running for president in 2016. Broadside has also snagged another high-profile Florida Republican for its 2023 lineup. Florida governor and potential 2024 presidential candidate Ron DeSantis will release The Courage to be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival on February the 28th. Also in February, climate activist Greta Thunberg will release her handbook on combating climate change. It's called The Climate Book. In March, sociologist Matthew Desmond, the Pulitzer Prize-winning author of Evicted, is set to release his book on why poverty is such a persistent problem in the United States. It's titled Poverty by America. And in June, LGBTQ plus activist and Pulse nightclub shooting survivor Brandon Wolf will release his memoir entitled a place for us. In just the next few weeks, two former members of Congress are set to release books. Former Utah Republican Representative Mia Love, who was the first African-American Republican woman in Congress, will release Qualified, Finding Your Voice, Leading with Character, and Empowering Others. That'll be released on January the 17th. And former South Carolina Congressman and current Fox News anchor Trey Gowdy will release Start, Stay, or Leave, The Art of Decision-Making, on January the 24th. Other books to look out for in 2023 include author Salman Rushdie's 15th novel, Victory City, which debuts in February. The book comes just six months after the author survived an onstage stabbing during a lecture in New York back in August of 2022. Sean Casey, the founding director of the State Department's Office of Religion and Global Affairs, will release his book, Chasing the Devil at Foggy Bottom, on January the 24th. That book includes a foreword by former Secretary of State John Kerry. And just this week, author Jim Popkin released Codename Blue Wren, the true story of America's most dangerous female spy and the sister she betrayed. The book chronicles the life of Cuban spy Anna Montez, who's scheduled to be released from custody this weekend after 21 years in federal prison. Share with us the reading list or the books that you're looking forward to in 2023. Simply record an audio file and email it to us at booktv at c-span.org, and we may use it on a future About Books. And now we turn to the world of young adult fiction. Two-time NBA All-Star and current Miami Heat assistant coach Karan Butler made a splash 
back in 2016 with his autobiography, Tough Juice. In his second writing project, the basketball phenom tried his hand at YA writing. And Book TV's Peter Slen sat down recently with Karan Butler to talk about his coming-of-age story that he entitled Shot Clock. Well, on a yearly basis, tens of thousands of children's books get published, and nearly 200 million were sold last year alone. One of those children's authors is Karan Butler. His most recent book is called Shot Clock. Mr. Butler, what inspired you to write Shot Clock? Uh, First and foremost, thanks for having me. Um, I think that just the realities of the world and my personal experiences and how I navigated through uh, society as a 42-year-old man um, that experienced a lot of different things, um, success, hardships, all those things. And um, I built the program by the name of Butler Elite in my hometown, Racine, Wisconsin. So I watched the kids and what they was going through, and I just wanted to shine light on a lot of things, uh, a lot of adversities, and uh, I just wanted to share it with the world. And obviously it's a children's book, but it's also a book for everyone, for adults, for, you know, people from all walks of life, just to, you know, get educated, get informed uh, in real time on some of the experiences and challenges that people face on a day-to-day. Well, you wrote your autobiography in 2015 called Tough Juice. The foreword is by Kobe Bryant, one of your former teammates in the NBA. But... when it comes to Shot Clock, how much different was it writing for, what, a, a, a teenage level, a 12-year-old level? Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's tough when, like, for example, it's so easy to tell a story about yourself. You're being transparent, you're being authentic, and let the chips fall where they may um, because it's your life, it's your reality. Um, but then again, with Shot Clock, it is a reality of a lot of individuals, but uh, some of the characters... Um, you have to be able to um, follow through with who they are, what the messaging is. Um, some of the cr- characters that we have in this book, like Tony, for instance, and for example, is a statistician, but he's created. This is a role that we created for this kid. But in real life, Tony wasn't a statistician. He was something else. Uh, but, you know, you just have to be extremely clever uh, with the nuances of the characters. And how much of your own personal experiences reflected in Shot Clock? I would have to say 85 to 90%. Give us uh, an example. Yeah, so um, the program, uh, Coach James, uh, is a character that's really reflected of who I am. Um, he's a coach for uh, AAU Traveling Ball Club uh, and Oasis Springs, which is you know pretty much the same as Racing Wisconsin. Um, and the Oasis Springs came from, if anyone from the Midwest, you travel I-94, uh, you see a ton of Oasis. So we <laughs> named the, the city Oasis Springs, and that's how we pivot, pivoted into that space. But all the things that these kids from the Butler Elite Program experienced from traveling to cities and being um, you know, exposed to different things and starting to believe in their abilities, that they can conquer the world, that they can do a lot of different things in society and in life. Um, these are some of the exact same narratives that happen uh, in real time. And I, I want to pivot back real quick because I'm glad you asked that question. Um, a police officer shooting uh, a young teenager um, to start off, a uh, young rising star in the community. 
Now, this kid that was killed, we don't know what he could have been, you know, in life uh, because he could have been anything. But this was a real story that happened in my community in Racine, Wisconsin. Well, the book Shot Clock contains police brutality, underage crime, juvenile detention, depression. Uh, is this reflective of your teenhood? Uh, I think it's uh, a, a reflection of a lot of people' childhood. Um, if you don't experience these things personally, someone in your circle probably has or is. You know, this is the realities of the world. Um, for me personally, I didn't suffer depression, uh, but some of the things that I seen, whether it was police brutality, whether it was uh, lack of mentors, whether it was being told what I couldn't accomplish, um, lack of belief, all these different things that these kids was going through. And then finally getting the proper mentors and the guidance around you, getting outside the confines of a six mile, seven mile radius, north, south, east, west of your community, being exposed to other things, being part of something larger than yourself, like a basketball team or any team. Um, I feel like these are some of the things that anyone from any walk of life can tap into. Karam Butler, you were exposed to the world when you were in the NBA. What was that first experience like when you got out of Racine? Uh, I, I think it was it was amazing. Uh, when I walked across that draft stage and I shook the commissioner, David Stern, uh, hand at the time, um, I cried. I cried when my name was announced. I cried when I walked across the stage. I cried when I shook his hand. I cried in the back because I knew that um, the sacrifices and the generations of prayer that went into getting me to that point. And I really wanted to just use that platform, even at that moment, to just say thank you. And thank you for everyone that believed in me. Thanks for not throwing away uh, the responsibility of giving me a chance, uh, having empathy, because uh, there was a lot of people that had fingerprints on my success and that helped mold molded me to this point are sports an avenue for troubled youth for kids stuck in bad situations i, I you know what i think sports is an avenue for pretty much anyone like when you think about um how life and how we function in society sports help us you know to function in society it teaches you how to be a part of a team it teaches you how to be something part of something bigger than yourself. It teaches you how to be a star. It teaches you about adversity. It teaches you about hardships and high moments. It teaches you about being consistent, um, sweat equity. Uh, you get out what you put in if you stay consistent. It teaches you how to wave a towel and cheer for a teammate. It teaches you camaraderie. It teaches you how to coexist in the confines of the world of with other people. And I think that's great. Now, everyone won't go on to have, you know, professional careers in whatever respective sport uh, that they play or choose to, you know, be participate in. But some of the, the lessons uh, that you learn in participating in these sports can last a lifetime. Well, now, reviewers have said the game descriptions in Shot Clock are uh, very vivid and they seem to appreciate those a lot. Are those actually harder to write than, than it would seem, given your experience in the NBA? Uh, I, I think that, you know, co-authoring with Justin, it wasn't hard because, you know, I can, 
I'm a I'm a pattern recognition individual, if that make any sense. And I can like go to moments, specific moments and in, in games and things that I saw and like this talk about them. And, you know, what, during our writing process, we was going to like moments. How did that make you feel? What was you thinking? And uh, what was the anxiety levels like? And what was happening around you? Did out of my peripheral, I saw this, I saw that, I heard this. And um, it was just like, you know what? We have to put this in the book. Like this is powerful. We have to put it in and, and put you in the moment so you can feel exactly what, you know, some of these guys, some of these players are going through, whether it's Tony, whether he's on the sideline as a statistician, uh, you know, it's it's just so powerful. Was Tough Juice or Shot Clock harder to write? Shot Clock. Hands down, Shot Clock. Because the the, the script and the, the outline for Shot Clock had changed three different times. Eventually it was about uh, Tony himself, and then, you know, Dante and Terry and so many other characters uh, came about because the story was too powerful. It couldn't be told and based around just one character. It had to be based around multiple incidents. And then that's why we was like, you know what, the story continues. And that's why we have to create a series where we can, you know, shine light on more things and more characters and what are they up to now and where are they going off to and what the transition is next because you fall in love with these characters. So uh, that's why it was so tough because you wanted to leave no ceilings for the possibilities of where you wanted to take the story in the future. Now, who's your co-author, Justin Reynolds? What can you tell us about him? Uh, Justin Reynolds uh, from Cleveland. He's a huge Cavaliers fan. You know, I won't hold that against him. Uh, but, uh, you know, Miles Morales, when you think about the Puerto Rican Spider-Man, um, the Puerto Rican and black, uh, Spider-Man, he's best known for that creation and, and, and writing that story. And what I can tell you about, uh, Justin is that he's super humble. Um, he's a genius, uh, in every sense of the word. Um, he's a friend. He's someone that, you know, I love just bouncing ideas off of I went through this process of figuring out who I was going to co-author with um, sitting on zoom calls like the one that we're doing right now and just trying to figure out and who did I mesh with and immediately that this was the fourth interview that I had and once I met Justin it was just like we just clicked whatever it is like we had it we knew that um, the symmetry was going to be great and um, I'm just so glad that I found them, that we found each other, and that we was able to create this. And looking forward to, you know, the future of some more creations down the line. Now, Karan Butler, were you writing as a youth or while you were playing in the NBA? And what so, was that process like for you? I started, I t- I started journaling um, probably year three in the NBA. Um and, and it started with, you know, some of the conversations that I had with uh, my late great brother, uh, Kobe Bryant. He had started telling me, hey, man, you have so many, like, dope stories. And, you know, you should, you know, journal and, you know, keep note of all those things. And probably about four or five years later, I had so much just information that I reflect on. And sometimes in the summer, I would just, like, read through it. And... I said, you know what, I'm going to do a book, you know, I'm going to do a book. And he encouraged me to do it. And he was like, man, I would definitely support it. I'll write the forward. I think it'll be amazing. You're going to impact so many people. 
and I didn't know what to expect because it's a humbling experience. And it's also, um, it's like you, you put yourself out there. It's therapeutic going through that process, but it's very humbling because if you care about the perception of how people feel about you, it's going to be like thrown in the air. But nonetheless, like so many people reached out at the tough juice, my journey from the streets to the NBA and just like, man, like, thank you for being this super authentic. Thank you. Thank you for being so transparent and honest and just like you changed my life. Like, thank you. And you gave me the, the, the courage to go out and tell my truth and live my truth. And I was just so glad about that. Karan Butler, is it uh, different to be greeted as an NBA star or as an author? I mean, do the people do people treat you differently between the two? You know what? I think that I'm so much more known for the things that I've done in my second and third act than I am for playing a game of basketball. Um, I, I always add that because that's the low-hanging fruit. It's like, hey, I was pretty good at this game, <laughs> but – then here's all the things that I'm doing now and that I'm a part of and that I'm creating. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a humble feeling. Uh, Steve Springer, uh, one of the co-authors that I, uh, written tough juice, my journey from streets and NBA with, he told me years ago, uh, you're going to be surprised how many people, um, have this book, how many people will be inspired by this book. And they're going to come to you, you know, from all different areas, from all walks of life, you know, years and years down, and you're going to be like, wow, like I really had that reach and that impact with my story. And it's happening in real time. It happened in China. It happened in the Philippines. Uh, I was in India. Um, I went to Germany. It happened. I went to London. It happened. Like, so I was just like, wow, this is it's amazing. Well, on your bookshelf behind you, along with some basketballs and basketball awards, we see some books. What kind of books do you like to read? Uh you know, I like reading all types of things. I got this book right now, uh, The Master of None, uh, with Clifford Hudson. Uh, he's the CEO that really uh, originated, uh, created uh, Sonic Empire, um, the franchise. Um, I also got uh, The New Jim Crow. I got The Path. Um, I got a lot of Never Eat Alone, uh, Tim Grover, uh, new book. Um, I got The Secrets to success. I, I got a lot of things. <laughs> I just, I skimmed through a lot of stuff and just try to just give myself a wealth of, of knowledge uh, from a lot of different areas. What about your kids? Are your kids readers or Absolute, writers? Absolutely. Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, one of my kids, uh, my 12 year old is an equestrian. So she loves, you know, scholastic books. She's all into that space. Uh, we're probably buying like eight to 10 books every year at the book fairs and uh my youngest daughter gia which is 11 she's 11 now um she's just so happy that scholastics made it part of the ela so they're going to actually have shot clock at the next book fair so she's excited to you know brag about it and you know share it with her friends this is the first in a series correct correct and can you preview some of the uh the ones coming up uh, I, I can't go that far, but I, I, I want to say that one is done already, the second book. Um, and, you know, you're going to see more from Tony. You're going to see more from Terry. You know, Dante character, even though he's um, killed in the first book, it's uh, so sad. But, like, his legacy and, you know, how people was impacted and inspired by him will continue. And how the community, you know, rallied around each other and came together around something so tragic um, 
a lot of good will come from one of the most devastating incidents uh, ever uh, in in the near future for all these characters. So it's a lot of positive, bright moments. And I wanted to really shine light on, you know, when adversity happened, when tragedy happens, uh, so much good can come out of it. But we all have choices. We and, and we all have to have empathy and find solutions in, in in those spaces. Well, we started this interview by talking about the hundreds of millions of children's books that are sold every year, the tens of thousands that are published. How do you get yours in front of your target audience? Well, I, I think that, you know, that's something that, you know, marketing and HarperCollins and, you know, things that they really focus on, like strategically on how to make sure that the book is getting into the hands of people that will be mostly impacted by it. Um, but it's also just, you know, keep talking about it, keep sharing the stories and, you know, um, trying to be as transparent as possible um, and getting out there. You know, I think it was pretty amazing that we went to uh, Houston, we went to Atlanta, we went to DC, obviously my hometown, uh, racing Wisconsin. We was in Cleveland as well. Um, went to another city. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, uh, but we went to a couple of cities and hopefully during the course of the season, I can go to bookstores while I'm in cities, uh, respective cities, playing games and, you know, spend an hour to two hours over there just, you know, speaking truth to power and just trying to impact and inspire people. Author Karan Butler, Shot Clock is his YA title. Tough Juice is his autobiography. We appreciate your time on Book TV. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And you're watching About Books, a program and podcast about the business of publishing. And one place where the business of publishing always takes place is book festivals. And after years of book festivals shrinking their footprint or going virtual in response to the coronavirus pandemic, book festivals are making a full in-person comeback in 2023. Three of the biggest festivals that will take place in just the first few months of the year include the Rancho Mirage Writers Festival, which takes place February 1st through 3rd, the Savannah Book Festival, taking place February 16th through 19th, and the Tucson Festival of Books on March 4th and 5th. Look for coverage of all those festivals on Book TV. Well, coming up on Book TV, it's our Afterwards program. This weekend marks the two-year anniversary of the January 6, 2021 riot at the Capitol, and the Capitol Police Chief at the time was Stephen Sund. In his new book, the now former Capitol Police Chief provides his personal account of events leading up to that day. He recently sat down with Luke Broadwater of the New York Times to discuss his new book. So I had to get on a call with the Pentagon and plea repeatedly for the uh, support of the National Guard only to find, unbeknownst, because people, people have to realize that when the police department runs um, uh, out of resources and we're overwhelmed, who do, who do, when we dial 911, who do we call? We call the Department of Defense. We call the National Guard. They're our backstop in, in getting help. So I put out that call only to find out there was delay after delay after delay. What I hadn't realized is just two days earlier, the Secretary of Defense had put out this memo restricting the resources that my men and women so greatly needed on January, January 6th for an attack that I now believe they, they knew was coming because they had they'd talked about it. They had talked about it in meetings. They were so concerned. They were talking about locking down the city. Yet he goes and puts these restrictions on the resources I needed and never tells anybody, never tells the very people that are going to call 911. So at 2.34, I'm pleading for their assistance and have to wait until 5.44 p.m. 
for them to arrive on the scene. When, think about the absurdity. They're within two miles of the Capitol, over 150 of them with all their riot gear, and they won't even move to help my men and women. I, I respect the military. I come from a military family. The, the people in the field, those that are willing to tell the truth, I highly respect. The people that decided not to send them to help my men and women that we needed support badly, I, I, I can't even question why. I can't even understand why they didn't uh, send the help I needed. And a reminder that Afterwards airs every Sunday at 10 p.m. on Book TV. Well, thanks for joining us on About Books, a program and podcast produced by Book TV. You can get this podcast and all our podcasts on the C-SPAN Now app. And Book TV will continue to bring you publishing news and author programs throughout the year. And remember, you can watch anytime at booktv.org.